Watch out, folks. It's Madonna, the revolutionary. The 2003 American Life album was meant to be a commentary on materialism and superficiality, which is possibly the ultimate irony when that message was being delivered by America's very own original material girl. Described by some as a borderline folk record, American Life fused original electronic beats with acoustic influences, Madonna helping to write every track on the album. Now, Music was the first Madonna album ever leaked onto the internet, but American Life ultimately suffered the same fate. However, in this case, Madonna launched a preemptive defence. She leaked her own fake music files, and when naughty fans tried to listen to the supposed new three-minute tracks, Here's what they heard. What the fuck do you think you're doing? And then three minutes of silence. Typical Madonna, right? Absolute brilliance. But unfortunately, she didn't have the last laugh. Madonna's website was the subject of a sophisticated hack, which saw the entire album stolen and leaked. And not only that, but the hacker left a cheeky message behind. It simply read, this is what the fuck I think I'm doing. Oh dear. I'm joined by die-hard Madonna fans, Damien, Albie and Sarah. Welcome to the show, my friends. Hi. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you all on board. I know you're all in various time zones, so I really appreciate the effort. Sarah, you've been on the podcast before. You're a first time. You've been deflowered, so to speak. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, I'm Sarah. I am 24. I'm from Canada. And yeah, <laughs> and we've got a little bit of a taster question just to give everyone a bit of an insight about who's going to be doing the commentary tonight. And the question we're asking you all is, which Madonna song best describes you and why? What did you choose? Well, here's the thing. Like, you really put me in, like, a tough position, Tim. <laughs> I'm good at that. I, was, I actually had, like, three answers, but I'll, I'll tell you what my main answer is, and then I'll tell you what were sure. contenders. Um my, I would say the one that best describes me is I'll Remember because it's such a beautiful, dreamy song. And it's um, a song all about like standing up and being independent with who you are and just remembering that you have some inner strength within you, which is something that I always remember whenever I'm doing anything that I am putting out to the public or in front of people or anything in my daily life in general. And then the other two songs that I felt that described me that were close to tenors is what it feels like for a girl because I'm a trans girl and I think that song represents all sorts of women and how they are fit into the world and how they are part of the world. And then the other one was Nobody Knows Me, which is from this album. And because I'm also like a very like antisocial person, so <laughs> I think that song really describes me well and we're probably going to get into it when we talk track by track but oh good on you sarah so basically it was really hard for you to choose because madonna speaks to you in so many different ways right she really does and that's why she's like one of the artists that i have always looked up to and she's inspired me to do to actually go into music like she does and stuff so i've always admired her work 
and good on you. It's fantastic to have a younger fan on the line as well. Albie, which introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us which Madonna song best describes you, well, Mandonna. Well, hello. Yes, Mandonna is here. Hello, listeners. Um, I'm from Los Angeles. My name is Albie. Visit me on Twitter, Mandonna. I have all the tea and all the gossip. I love the self-promotion. <laughs> Madonna would be proud. So I think like the best song that represents me from her catalog would be we talked about on last podcast. Well, survival I is one of the songs that I always resonate to. It's about surviving everything and still being strong, sticking it out. Things are thrown at you through your life, but you're still here standing. You know, I'll never be an angel. I'll never be a saint, but I'm too busy surviving. That's the best line from that song. I'm like that hits it right there. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Albie. We also have a newcomer on the line, Damien from the UK. Welcome to your first podcast, Damien. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, my name's Damien. I'm from the UK. And uh, I don't know, my, the song that best describes uh, me, uh, weird enough, is probably Paradise Not For Me from the music album. Wow. Um, I think everyone can relate to ups and downs in their life um and i can and it's just i think it's one of her most beautiful haunting tracks so i just i've always felt i don't know connected to it in some way that's so. fantastic it's really good to have you on the line damien by the way do all the other podcasters agree it's fantastic to have a bit of a different accent for a change oh. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> It's really good to have you, Damien. Thank you. Let's get into the podcast. We're here to talk about the album American Life. Hey, Sarah, is American Life Madonna's suckiest album? Here, there's a lot of mixed feelings on this album. It's very polarizing. It depends on like what your taste is, in my opinion. Um, I remember that this was this was an album that I think a lot of people had a hard time really digesting because it was such a different sound. It, there was different types that she was Madonna was really giving her political viewpoint on things in certain ways with the leaked version of the American Life video specifically is what I'm thinking of and it was an album that I would say I didn't I couldn't really I didn't really like when it came out I only liked the singles I would say I love the singles but I didn't like the album as like a whole like I couldn't listen to it until about like 2014 and then wow. there were some songs even on there that I didn't even like until this year so I didn't really fully love the album until this year but I think there are worse albums in our catalog uh, there's a I preview of MDMA right there <laughs> oh <laughs> maybe so you're telling the truth. <laughs> not so subtle, Tim. Not so subtle. <laughs> Sarah started it. And, and, but one one thing I will say that I think this album truly that I think everyone can agree on is that this album's not like some sort of like didactic mess. It's very cohesive, regardless of what you think of the sound lyrically and content-wise. There's a story and a narrative to it, and I think. It's it's still a full album and still gives Madonna's true structure. It doesn't look like she doesn't know what she's doing, if you know what I mean. Hint at MDNA. But <laughs> yeah, that's interesting you say about the cohesion of the album, Sarah, because I'm going to speak to that soon because I actually don't agree with that. Damien, 
as a newcomer to the podcast, what do you make of this piece of work as a whole? As a whole, I think it's brilliant. I've always, I've, I, you know, when it was first released, I always, I'd liked it from the offset. Um, I knew it wasn't going to, you know, going to be this universally liked record because it just she did i don't think she made it for the mainstream i don't i think she had something to, something to say but i i just i think it's one of her best works to be honest i'm a little bit the same as you damien when i first heard this i actually really did like it but i knew immediately this was not going to be a worldwide hit because oh, it just absolutely. didn't have the chart stomper singles which is what drives an album and for me, yeah. I felt that it didn't deliver on its promise of being as politically charged as actually what it suggests. I'm talking about the imagery no, of the I album. Agree. I'm talking about the first video clip. I'm talking about especially the Shea Guevara um, imagery, which is all about rebellion yeah. and revolution. And I felt like the actual content had some political edge to it, but actually it could have been a lot more uh, rebellious in nature. Albie, we'll come to you. What are you making of this project? Well, I feel like uh, when I first listened to it, I thought it was really brilliant, like Ray of Light, like uh, the icy strings and the futuristic tone. It did it did continue uh, the music albums, trip-hop guitar stuff, but in a more um, recluse, isolated way. I, this album is very misunderstood by the fans. I feel like it's hit or miss. It's either you like it or you don't. Um, it was in your face. Uh, she was basically telling people, you know, um, look at the do things in life that are simpler. Like, look at the simpler things in life. Don't look at material things. And it's funny that you say that, Tim, that, you know, the album should have been more political. But in reality, I remember her doing interviews um, with MTV at the time, she's like, this album's actually not political. It's basically about illusions in life and how we uh, we don't see the bigger picture in life and how everything is so... Now, the, now um, can I... But yeah. I agree. This is where I think this album gets confused for me because it is absolutely packaged as a concept album. So, And then you're right. She did talk about it not being political. We want to focus on relationship and the people we love, the things that matter in life. However, right. the imagery of the album and the first video clip and the first single... Uh, a mixed message. They don't add up. to if, if that's what she was trying to achieve, they do not add up. Don't forget we're on the cusp or actually at the beginning of the Iraq invasion and in America in particular that was resonating at a big time. And so she went in there to cause controversy, which I love. I think Madonna does that deliberately and I think it serves a purpose, an artistic purpose. So it's interesting that she did actually go down that path of this. Actually, you're, you're misunderstanding me. This isn't meant to be political, yet everything about the packaging and about the marketing was exactly that. Yeah. Even in the American Life's uh, single, like the band video, you notice like she had um, a runway fashion show, how everyone is looking at this fashion show when there's a war going around. So I feel like she brought on the Iraqi war at the right and the wrong time. And how the world was just focused on, you know, vanity and money and this and that. And then there was a war going around, like a war that's affecting people and they don't realize it. 
I love the the fact that she tosses the grenade and she had the George Bush, who was such a divisive president at the time, arguably as divisive as Donald Trump is now. So she throws the grenade, the fake George Bush picks it up and actually finds an alternative use for it. You know, I think like when I look at this album, I don't always feel like American Life should be the title of the album necessarily. And with the song itself as well, because it is, um, it's speaking more so about like the media itself versus it being totally political. Cause it, and it kind of, like you said, gives that mixed message. I think this was her first like lead single, I think not to chart in like the top tens. It was number 38, I believe so on the top, you at top 100 billboards. I think I peaked at number 35, Sarah. That's what I remember. 35? Yeah. yeah, it was like something. Yeah, it was like something like that. And I think it, it was something that was not, uh, to me, it was not, it's not di- as digestible as something like music or Vogue or, you know, one of those songs because it's talking about something very specific where, as well, people would have opinionated, um, Opinion, very strong opinions on what's going on in America with conservatives and liberals and all those and politics in general. Interesting you talk about the title maybe not representing the album properly because it was going to be called Hollywood for quite a long time before it just didn't sit right That's with her. So she, it was, yes, please yeah. do. The, the original title for the album was going to be Einsof, uh-huh. which is a, from, oh. from the Kabbalah, a Hebrew word um Endless which i think she said during an interview one time i think it might have been with larry king um but uh she said that it it meant endlessness or end uh an end in infinity or something along those lines but that was the original title then she decided to uh turn it to hollywood than it was american life but. and damien in the uk how was this received yeah. because over here in australia I think there was borderline offence and people really missed the point of what Madonna was trying to do. It felt like taking advantage of something very serious. How how was American Life, the single, received in the UK? In the, the UK, I think it was, at the time, I think it was received quite well. Um, I, think people, I think people get her irony in the UK. Yeah. And what she has to say uh, uh, in a way that, U.S. audiences just don't. No disrespect to anyone I in agree. the U.S. Yeah, but um, nope. I also think Australians understand her more than 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 what the U.S. US fans or people in general do. It's just her sense of humour and how she sees life. I don't think uh, entirely works for a lot of americans unfortunately the question was very much was the timing disrespectful and that was the question asked all over the place at the time madonna's reply was very stern this is exactly the right time which i think it was sensitive at the time I, i remember like when the album was released here um i was living in florida at the time and and the mention of madonna's new single like it was everywhere it was like oh she's you know hating the military, she yep. is anti-American, she's this and that. But I'm like, no, yeah. you're not even listening to this whole song. You're not even, 
that's not what the song is about. You're just getting the visual, what the visual is about, but you're not understanding. Well, what is the song about? This is the problem. I think people don't listen to Madonna. I don't think people really, truly, they take the surface and they don't delve in any further. They don't truly look at what the lyrics are saying, what she's saying. It just, they just take everything on face value for her. That's why I think, you know, she's so hated by people. She might be loved by millions of people, but I think she's hated in a more universal way than loved these days. But like, it's just a shame that people can't look deeper and can't see what she's trying to say because she says so many positive things and so many things that need to be said. And yet people don't pick up on it. And I just think that's really important. In the past, like I would say 10 years in general, Madonna has been not well loved in North America. She's more so looked as like an old person, but they don't, look into what she's actually saying and they're missing the point they don't digest into what her messages are and that's always been i felt that's always been a problem over here in north america let's move into track by track we we do want to just look at the song american life now it was the lead single i'm curious to know if you think there was a better choice of lead single and also what we make of this forget the message for a moment what do we make of this as a track and of course we have to highlight that Madonna raps in single one. I feel like it's two different songs in one because like you hear the hip hop version where she's rapping and then you hear the strumming of the patriotic the, the American life. You get that and then you get the whole song. So it's like actually three songs in one to come to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Value for money. That's so actually that's so true you say that because I always feel like once we get like we the first like two three minutes or so and then we get to the rap it's like feels like this like turned into something else and i'm like yeah. wow this is something else <laughs> yeah she really but like, I, and her her rapping i'm sorry like people hated it but i'm like wow madonna really goes in and you hear that hip-hop beat like boom 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 like damn <laughs> even like seeing the reinvention tour live and she's like rapping I'm like dang she got <laughs> she can she do it <laughs> <laughs> i love when she's like on the car in like the video and she has like her soy latte and she like just throws it <laughs> i love that part so much like <laughs> that is the best amir ways produced it yet again he produced the whole album so i felt the amir ways standard classic touch of his throughout the song and through the rest of the songs of the album um yeah, this is one of those brilliant, brilliant songs. I loved, I thought it was a perfect first single because it was different. She loves to do different things. Yes. Like, look at look at Frozen. Mm-hmm. Fro- no one ever thought Frozen would be the first single for uh, Radio Blight. I mean, it just, it just brought, that's the Madonna touch, the artist right there. That's I mean, true. It's a, and it- the perfect single in some ways, but in other ways, I think that... It just wasn't a radio-friendly, commercial-sounding single, mm-hmm. and I think she knew that from the jump. To be quite honest, I think she's not. She's not stupid. She knows it's not. I mean, would you? Would you guys think? Would you guys say it was uh, a radio-friendly song? You know what? Oh, I God, haven't no. heard. I only heard it one time on the radio, and that was when I was in Florida. Then I moved back to LA, and then I heard it on the radio when it was in LA, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm hearing it finally on the radio." And that was the only time they ever played it. <laughs> No, because I, 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 to me, the, the most radio, radio-friendly song on this album is probably uh, Nothing Fails or Hollywood. Hollywood. Love yeah. Profusion because, is kind of radio-friendly, I think. Yeah, I'd say so. Not, I don't think it's first single material, but like, uh, 
yeah, I would say it's friendly, radio friendly. But like, um, I I think I can understand why she released American Life because it encapsulated the whole album and kind of what she wanted to say. The video itself was gorgeous. Another Jonas Ackerlund production. Yeah, um, I think it's actually one of the yeah. best videos. Yes. Um, yeah, it is. Many different versions of that video. There was a violent version. There was the version that yeah, was banned that we saw. Three edits of that yeah. version. That video. Yes. I do remember the flag video being on. Like the only time like I ever oh. saw like American Life on TV was the flag video, like the one of the flags in the background of the world. Boring and stuff. And like that being on MTV. I remember that being replayed <laughs> quite a bit a few times. But I don't remember American Yeah, a lot. That, that that video was on a lot. And I just used to think, oh God, the video is just so bad. <laughs> well, the first the, yeah. the first incarnation of the video I remember was leaked on the internet via France. Like France music video played the video before it got pulled, and I downloaded it immediately because I was like, "What is? I want to see this video." And it took me three hours to download the video. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so that's where I I waited patiently. I'm like, "Oh my god!" Just to see a four minute clip. Yeah, and it was worth every minute. Was it too violent? Um. The version that was shown in French TV, it was not as violent as the one I saw later on YouTube, and that was pulled. The one on YouTube showed like disembembered like legs on the uh, the runway, like military men being splattered with blood. Mm -hmm. It was like, a dead baby. So it was yeah, I remember. It was very violent, but I mean, it got me a little like oh. So like, but I think what she said during yeah. the interview. Where she said, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, you know, you're going to upset people, especially in America. And she was like, well, this is something they see every day on the news. Yeah. And yet they're not, they're fine with it. Sarah and Damien, did you guys go to the reinvention tour? Did you guys see the tour? Yeah. With the I was too young for that. <laughs> um, well, she played the full video during her American Life um, song. So, like, she played yeah. the full thing. So that's how I was like, okay, oh. now I see. There was, there was like a different, even that version was different than why I saw. I'm like, whoa, this is a little intense, but I love it. <laughs> I want you all to be really yeah. honest. Who knows every word to the rap? Um, I could. I, I've rapped it in karaoke. <laughs> 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 oh, I have, I have many times, so I just need a karaoke string and I can. Is it. anyone willing to do it now? <laughs> Uh, oh, listen to the silence. Crickets. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Fine. Go for it. One, two, three. I'm drinking a selectic. I get a double shot. Take. It goes right through my body, and you know I'm satisfied. satisfied. I drop a mini cooper, and, and I trooper. Do I tell me I'm a trooper? Does he know I'm satisfied? I do yoga and Pilates, and the room is full of hotties. So I'm checking out the bodies, and you know I'm satisfied. Doing well. I'm digging on the isotopes, metaphysics. Shit is open. If all this can give you hope, you know I'm satisfied. I got a lawyer, and a manager, an agent, and a chef. Your nanny's an assistant, and a driver, and a jet. A right. trainer, right. and a butler, and a bodyguard of five. Right. A gardener, and a size. Do you think I'm satisfied? I'd like to express my extreme point of view. I'm, I'm not, not a Christian, Christian and I'm, I'm not a Jew. Jew. I'm just living out just, the American I'm, dream and I'm just realizing just that nothing is what it seems. <laughs> I love it. I've got a big smile. Round of applause. Come on now. That was brilliant. Well done. My new album, Dr. Grace Producing. That's right. They don't call you Mandonna for nothing, do they? <laughs> that was so good. Oh well done. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. Uh -huh. 
single two, Hollywood. And and this is what I, I want to just come full circle to a point you made, Sarah, around you talked about this being a cohesive album. For me, I feel like there are two themes and they don't quite make sense to me as we walk through this album. Single two, Hollywood, as a song, oh, unbelievable. Got to talk about Britney Spears and all of that. But what do we think of <laughs> the track uh, Hollywood? Um, I, well, I, I kind of like want to, it's kind of like from what you said, I, I do see what you're saying, Tim, when we jump from American life to Hollywood, that it's two different things. But what I see this album as, and specifically, I don't feel like the album should have been called American life. I would have preferably preferred Hollywood life or Madonna life, because I feel like all these songs are different elements of what is in her life, her yeah. past, present and now I know this is going to sound outrageous and I know this is going to generate yeah. comments but Madonna actually offended me throughout this album on that score that you just nailed which was this is meant to be about revolution rebellion it's a political message materialism the search for something deeper yet every track is about actually Madonna and I think if you're gonna and Madonna does that a little bit when she does like an right. a, obituary for Michael Jackson it's all about Madonna and I, I that's one thing I know she's got to have an ego otherwise she wouldn't be the person she is but through this album if she's going to explore such a deep topic and, and a worthy one I found it quite self-indulgent actually this album how did you yeah. get that from Hollywood? I don't understand that, Tim. Like, where did you get that from? Hollywood? <laughs> for I, me, for me, Hollywood is Madonna saying to the world, hey, guess what? You, you all think that this is so good to be rich and famous and to have um, all the accolades, but I'm Madonna and I can tell you if you got here, if you were lucky enough to be me, then you wouldn't like it as much as you think. And I find that incredibly arrogant. If it if it's such an empty, hollow lifestyle, why do why do you still continue to live the privileged life that you do? I don't resent her privileged life for one minute, but it seems self indulgent to reach that point and then complain so bitterly about it, but also not give it up. I think she's just reached that point in her life, like she like you now she was having her kids, starting to have her kids, having a family, and then she just realized that second peak of spirituality with this album saying you know it's not all what it's meant to crack up to be like this is you know you get the glamour you get the hollywood parties you know oscars and whatsoever but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter so it's like what better person to say that than her like she's yep. been through the upper echelons and upper echelons yep. but she's telling you know what guys uh i I'd rather, you know, spend time with my family. And guess what? Or... Middle classes and lower classes don't strive to be here. Yet, at the same time, I'm not going to give up my gardener, my bodyguard, my nanny. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't make yeah. sense. Don't bother striving for you? this, but I've still got it. Give it up? Of course not. But I also wouldn't sit there saying, <laughs> oh, believe me, it doesn't make me happy. Because it doesn't doesn't but calculate. I, I feel... I feel like she also doesn't have she she does have a choice to like leave that but at the same time she's Madonna and like she will be followed around and she does need bodyguards in case mm -hmm. you know because people will still be after her and it's like you can't really can you really turn something like that off like mm -hmm. fully mm -hmm. But as a song, though, just to, to win back some of the <laughs> listeners who are now all furious with me, <laughs> the song's fantastic. It's a it's a great it's a great boppy song. I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good song. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the most radio friendly song on like yeah, the album. I, I would so. say. Yeah. I think it's another one of her uh, best videos because I love the video. 
There were references yeah, to Botox in the video too, which, you know, now is probably yeah, a bit blah, hilarious. but back so then. That you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually does Botox on the video, which, you know, another uh, shocking image of her getting Botox with a needle, like, in her cheek. I heard it like, wasn't, bit, I heard it that was fake. Oh, really? Oh, that, okay. I thought it was Yeah, real, it okay. wasn't. What I hate, what I love and hate about this record is, is I, I thought Madonna was, was going to go a certain way. And I thought that she was going to pull back from all the superficial stuff that she, you know, that she was, she's saying to people, you know, stop being superficial. You know, what, uh, don't believe what you see in the media here and stuff like that. And, you know, 10, 15 years later, I don't mean to be horrible to her because I love her to bits, but like, she's gone the complete opposite way. And I've always felt a bit left out like that. With the um, packaging and promotion specifically, because there's something shocking in each in the, like what we saw in American Life, and then to Hollywood with the VMA performance, and as well because that's like that was clearly like a setup stunt of her kissing Britney Spears and kissing Christina Aguilera. We have to talk about then, this performance because uh, uh, I don't know if everyone agrees with me, but it's. I live for this performance because it's everything Madonna does well. It's utter bratish behaviour at its absolute best. First of all, it's the throwback to the Like a Virgin um, uh, performance that she had at that first, was it the MT First Music Video Awards? Whatever it was, her first performance anyway. Yeah, it was the first one, yeah. So there's lots of referential stuff in that performance. And then to have the girls, you know, the, the, the princesses performing that and then for her to come up with the marriage music, She's not a virgin anymore. It was, it was just beautiful. I love Madonna, how she references. And in this, it was just wall-to-wall references the whole way through, plus little Lola coming out as the flower girl at the beginning. I loved it. Yeah. You know, you know, it's something that's always so funny when I look at, like, when Britney comes up. It's like she literally sounds like Madonna when she was younger. <laughs> just the way she's singing and stuff and that really, like, raspy sort of, like, childlike voice it reminds me of when she did the mm. performance a lot <laughs> yeah you can hear the you can hear the influence that's for sure track three on the album is i'm so stupid now this is a bit fascinating that I... oh goodness oh gosh mm, mm. what do we make <laughs> of track three i love it i think i it's... love track three it's very um it's very punk rocky but it's, yeah, it's, still, yeah. it's still giving me like that illusion theme where it's like Nothing's what it seems. It's you know, baby piggybacking off American Life. I like the track, but I think it's I think it's probably the the weakest track on the record. This was what this was the song that on the track that I actually didn't like until this year, and it was because of that ah mm. you know that yeah people I hate that. My, <laughs> that that thing I could not get past that. Like I literally thought my CD player was broken because it and... extends for so long, right? It's really a bold move whoever so produced hard. it because it goes to have that for maybe half the time is pretty much standard Madonna ish in my opinion. But that, to have it go for so long, like you say, it's like tap the CD player. Is st- is it broken? Yeah, <laughs> literally because it's 
Like you don't know what's going on. And I literally, I cannot, I couldn't make it past that. But I think once you make past that and I like, I know a friend, I have a few friends that listen to this song and they always tell me, you just got to make it past that part and then it's good. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, that's right. I just skip over that part now because I don't like that at all. It's the but don't tell I, me of the album where it skips and, but it's that part where it's like, ah, yeah, that's so true. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't I couldn't do that song until this year like only a few months ago and I was like okay but I don't know if anybody else also knows that the original demo initially featured a sample from the Stooges I want to be your dog really Does anybody know that oh wow and, yeah and she did actually uh, it was uh, during rehearsal she did actually perform during the reinvention tour rehearsals uh they did use the sample, and then it ended again. Cut. Track four is Love Profusion. Now, I heard, and I don't know if this is correct, that this was released as a single purely because the fans campaigned and lobbied so hard for it to have a release. I don't know if that's correct or not. I love Love Profusion. I love all many of the mixes that I've heard of Love Profusion. It sort of did need to be released. And the video clip, I think, is um, so simple but uh, lovely. Very it is lovely. a lovely song. I've I've always found it really beautiful. I've I always because I think I I always connected with the video of like that blue ocean and the flowers dancing. It's just very happy. It's very lovely. Um, it's a song that she's never performed live, and I think this is like the only. I think this is the only song on this album that she's never performed live, and I think it needs its justice. <laughs> Apparently, perhaps it during the rehearsals again for the reinvention tour, but it got cut. But yeah, unfortunately. Um, I remember the the perfume for Estee Lauder, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Used Love Profusion for like their, I think it was the Paradise. Uh, I think it was the um, perfume. Beyond Paradise. Beyond Paradise. Yes. Yeah, and I remember like, okay, so is I didn't even know that they were going to use the same treatment what they were going to do for the video, like the same blue and same the fairies. The director on did the video, didn't he? Uh, to, uh, yes, he did both the the, per, the commercial and the video, so that was kind of like, oh, that was interesting. We move into track five, which is Nobody Knows Me. It's my personal favourite of the album. I still wouldn't have made it the lead single, personally, because I think American Life was, you know, I think it set the album up, as somebody else said earlier. But Nobody Knows Me. I love this track. It's uh, turn it up loud type of stuff, this one. And Madonna yeah, loves the track because she made it the second song off Reinvention at the time. Like, Vogue opened and then it went to Nobody Knows Me. So that was killer. I, you know, something I really loved, something something that I really noticed with this song, and the I love the performance of this song in general on the Reinvention tour because you really notice how strong Madonna is. And, mm-hmm. like, I've always noticed, like, how big her muscles are i'm like girl you work out like (laughs) check those thighs out like she's really strong and she's like very bionic and i felt this song if this song was called nobody knows me i would call it bionic because it's just so it's (laughs) powerful in ways Mm. and um it's a song about being like anti-social and stuff and just it's one that truly i think represents her fantastic track we move through to Nothing Fails. She gets out the old guitar here. Yeah, tell us I about it. It's the guy Sigs produced the song. He also produced uh, What It Feels Like for a Girl. 
Uh, mm. Singer-songwriter Jem wrote this song. Uh, oh. And Madonna added her lyrics. So it's very, it's a very beautiful track. And I mean, I love the choir in it. And it has a little bit of uh, trip hoppy, a little bit of R&B, but also like a little bit of everything in it. It's, it's everything. And it's very heartfelt. It's the soul of the album, I believe. Really, I remember this being on TV when she promoted the album a lot, where it was like in the promos a lot. And I found I found it's just a beautiful, beautiful song overall and beautiful, beautiful lyrics in general. And I think this is a song outside of the singles that you could show to anyone. It's probably the most, again, digestible song and my my yeah. my back of my brain tells me that those lyrics that are along the lines of I'm not religious but I feel like praying I know that's not quite accurate but I feel like that's lifted from um, some spiritual readings or something I, I feel like I know that quote from somewhere too and she often does make reference to um, you know, even the Bible. People think this song is dedicated to Guy Ritchie and it's not. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, Jim wrote it with Guy Sigworth, but Guy actually originally wrote it for his wife, and then he started to work with Jim, and they co-wrote the song, and then uh, he played the song for Madonna, and she liked it, and changed a few of the lyrics, and made it more personal to her, but like, it's funny how people are like, oh, it's so sweet, because it was to Guy, and I was like, it's not to, it wasn't to Guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it being promoted like that, actually, and that's why yeah. that was in the promos a lot, because it, it's one of those songs that could be commercialized, and commercialized like that in North America specifically, because they're like, oh, it's about, it's about Guy and stuff, and so people yeah. in North America tend to get on that like relationship bandwagon. Well, it's funny because she she uh, was adamant about adding a choir. She really wanted a choir in the song, so she did add that kind of gospel element to it. It's absolutely And it was beautiful. supposed to be a single, right? Like I remember there was. Talk it was a single. It was well, a single. Well, Depends on where you lived. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, um, like a video was supposed to be released for it. Like she was supposed oh, to have yeah, to direct it. It was supposed to be shot yeah. in Israel. So I yeah. that's what I remember the news being, but it never happened. Yeah, it never happened, unfortunately. Intervention track seven on the album. It's about Rocco. She wrote a song for obviously Lola, a uh, uh, little star on on uh, the uh, Ray of Light album, and apparently this this was a song to, um, dedicated to Rocco, and that's that's what uh, the the uh, lyrics. I got are to about. save my baby because he makes me cry. I got to make him happy. I got to teach him how to fly. It's like one of those songs that are in the middle that you may skip over. I would have preferred she added an unreleased song from one of the sessions called Set the Right. Um, I think that could have replaced Yeah, I was going to bring, the, I was gonna bring those, those unreleased tracks up. Are there a whole heap of unreleased tracks or are there just a, a small um, sample? Only, only about three from this album. Everyone's told me like there were no unreleased tracks to this album. When I I remember on the forum board specifically, they were like, "These sound like unreleased tracks from music." That's what a lot of people were saying. There was like a group of tracks that were released together, but uh, basically, uh, some of them were attended for that musical that she never ended up doing. Hello, suckers! Remember? Do you guys remember that? um, Yeah. Life demos mixed in with that, so people were like, "Well, is that American Life or is that from?" But it ended up uh, majority of them were from that Hello Circus thing, and they, then uh, 
a small part of them were the American Life rejects. Well, Sarah, you and I are heading to YouTube immediately after this podcast, by the sound of it. <laughs> yes. Acoustic version is should have been on the album, I think. it's uh, Lyrically, I think it's really good. And I, I love her voice. Her voice is like really crystal clear on that track. But Paul Oakenfold uh, remixed it and made it into a dance track, which is also really good. But I do like the acoustic version. Now, Mr. Stuart Price, one of my favourites, he's, he's done work uh, with Madonna after American Life, certainly Confessions, he's worked with Kylie, he's worked with all kinds of people, but he was um, part of the production and writing of Ecstatic Process, track number eight on the album. I've got to say, this is, even though Stuart Price is involved, this is the one track that um, I can't get into. Blasphemy. Oh, funny. sorry. It's, a, it's funny. <laughs> it's your price track because it's very acoustic and he's more electronic. Yes. So it yes. was all acoustic. Um, it reminds me of that Kylie song, No World Without You. That's what it really? reminds me of, which is like all acoustic. Yeah. That's I've never made that link. Like... I will now listen to it. I won't <laughs> skip it next time, Sarah. I will go and listen to it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like my favorite album by Kylie. But, um, but it's... It's one that I, it's one that I don't skip over necessarily. It's one that I'll listen to when I listen to the album. Yeah. But it's you know to me nothing pales intervention sound very similar. So I usually skip intervention. But this one sounds just completely unplugged. And it's also titled yeah, from one of her photo shoots with Stephen Klein, where she's the Red Queen and she's the uh, stripper the exhibition. And the whole, the yeah, exhibition. Yeah. So it's titled after that, and I could totally see why. It's like I think she's like questioning her place in the artistry movement or like questioning herself who she is in the world. So just, yeah, And question her own identity and she's yes. having an existential crisis in a way. And I think I love all the harmonies and I love that it's raw and not over, over uh, sorry, overly produced. Track nine, Mother and Father. Now, this is a very literal song. Like a lot of Madonna's yeah. lyrics you can interpret or you, you can search for the meaning, and there's actually some fun in that. Mother and Father is a very literal song, especially when you get to, I don't know if you can call it a rap, but the, the, the interlude in the middle of this song, which really tells a uh, piece of the story of her childhood, and I do love that part of the song. I really like Mother and Father. I find the production... I like the production very much, don't get me wrong, but it's it's I can't quite put my finger from an audio point of view about what they've done to this. It's like flat, like it's it's got thumping beats which have been flattened out or something. I like it though, just because it sounds a little bit experimental. But um, what do we make of Mother and Father? Kylie. Like we keep on talking about Kylie. It reminds me of like a Kylie song. Well that's probably why I love it. (laughs) Yes. I mean that's good. It's because like her that tone in the beginning, like she's like, there was a time. Like she sounds like Kylie to me, but I mm, love I love the song. Mm. I really like it. The middle of the song's more like she's more talking and it's more like not necessarily a rap, but it's more I don't know how to describe it. It's something very experimental and different. And like I love that about the song. Yeah. yeah. Robotica. That's the funny yeah. Robotica. <laughs> <laughs> Her next that album, should be her it. next. That's what she should name her next Miraways album. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I heard a criticism of this song that the um, that that 
interlude in the middle. My mother died when I was five and all I did was sit and cry. I cried and cried and cried all day until the neighbours went away and it continues. Yeah, I've heard that that was – I've heard the criticism made that that is like quite a childlike and maybe it was deliberate but quite childish lyrics. She did that on purpose. Because she's from the perspective of a child, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think this is also a song that's like something that – the message has always stuck with her in her songs mm. about her because she's suffering from ongoing PTSD of her mother dying at such a young age. And then also the complications of her relationship with her father that we heard back in like, like a prayer with like songs like promise to try Oh father. And I think those two relationships have always been a complicated thing for her. And this is her confronting it and trying to let it go specifically in the lyrics and i feel she's trying when she's like i gotta give it up and she's like singing it like like when it go- when it gets really like trippy you know yeah. when- near the end of the song i feel like that's her trying to like exit this topic and i couldn't agree and, like- more sarah which is why it's really profound when you see her performing it on the reinvention tour in front of mm-hmm. her father and stepmother i often find I'll be honest with you, I find it a little awkward thinking of them in the, because oh, it's quite a literal yeah. thing, you know, and, and she's been quite open about her relationship with her stepmother and that woman is a tower of strength from what I can see, like what she's been through as well. Her journey would be fascinating to read, I reckon, coming into that mm-hmm. world of fame and her dad is, Madonna's dad is so different from Madonna and, yeah, but to see her performing yeah. this song in front of them, that, that was quite profound. And a little bit awkward. You hear her, the vocal delivery when she sings it live, like, I got to give it up. She, like, screams. Mm. She, like, goes there. Yeah. Live vocals on that song. I think she did really well on vocally on that song. What would be, what, I wonder what her, because she writes about her um, dad a lot. Like, I wonder what her dad thinks of, like, Oh Father and, like, this song specifically. I would like to know, like, his perspective or if anyone knows. I think he'd be horrified. But I, I think the most awkward thing was the sex book for him, maybe. But <laughs> um, Sarah, watch. Um, yeah. You watch, I'm going to tell you a secret. The documentary. I I have watched bits of that. It's wonderful. I've, that's the one. That's the one with He's, the reinvention tour, right? Yeah, he speaks a lot. Like during, like she performs mother and father, and then there's interspersed cuts of him talking about uh, how she grew up and how he felt during her times. I recommend okay, it. yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. definitely look at it because I've only looked at like the performances for that really because I mm. wanted to look at the reinvention tour and stuff, but I would like to see. It's I'm actually it, that little documentary reminds me of like a more mature uh, spiritual version of Truth or Dare. It really does. It's it's beautifully put together. Yep. Whoever actually did it put it has I done think a Jonas, brilliant Jonas job. Jonas Ackerland did it. Ah, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something. Real. Does track 10, Die Another Day, belong on this album, or is it just there because it helped ship units? Mm. I was thinking I think about it. I... Oh, really? Wait, I want to hear your perspective on this first. Um, I just, I, I do think it belongs on the record. Um, I think sound-wise, it definitely belongs on the record, but at the same time, it just, it's, it's a bit of an oddball. It's a bit of, uh, it's like there, just there. But I still think it belongs on the record because I just think sonically it works with the rest of the tracks at the same time. It just seems like an, uh, where it's placed, I don't know where else I would place it on the record, but I probably wouldn't have placed placed it where it 
is because it just seems a bit plonked jarring after the previous song i i kind of like it after mother and father because with the end of that song specifically just because of the end that's all i'm like thinking like where it kind of like sounds like she's dying and then we're like into a song called die another day so i think i i don't think like you said it doesn't fit anywhere else on the album really but i i i enjoy the song it's one it's um it was the james bond theme song as many know it, it was a really odd one to me it didn't really sound like a classic bond theme song like that is more she wants to reinvent um, it she wants to get techno and uh, yeah because yeah yeah because like most of the bond theme songs are not like that they're sung by people by vote by um these very powerful singers like tina turner um who adele and stuff um garage did did one recently during this time so i think she really took it to a different place in many ways like the line where she goes i'm gonna break the cycle it just definitely fits with this whole theme i agree with damien like it's in the maybe in the wrong place but like i also agree with sarah like it's like at the end of mother and father it's like i'm gonna break the cycle i'm not this is not my time to go and like it's a resilient song it received a mixed reaction. What do we make of the video clip for Die Another Day? It, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's really amazing. I know my it's funny. My parents thought it was too violent. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, but they thought that whole movie was violent in general. Oh. Like, they did not like later Bond films, like, around this Bring time. Bring back but, Sean Connery. Yeah, that's that's their Bond. Yeah, that's their bond. yeah it's every parent's but, Bond. but i i I enjoy it i like the aesthetics that are being in here (laughs) one part of the video where she's like doing that wrap around her arm that's a a jewish uh ritual for um for prayer and most only men in the community of jewish the jewish community can do that with prayer so i'm glad that she did it like as a woman doing that i think that caused a little uproar i don't know if anyone remembers that but um no yeah i love that she like does that little you know little iconography right there and she also makes a cameo in the in the movie too right yes yeah yes yes what was her name divinity in it or veranity or something veranity veranity yeah veranity okay yeah it was was good yeah she looked good i just didn't i just wasn't really that memorable to me but blink and you miss it i I wasn't a fan of that she's played a lesbian (laughs) fencing instructor pretty good (laughs) it looked good on paper i'm sure that's right and we round the album off with easy ride um which is interesting because i've always found madonna feels this is my perception only i don't believe she said this but i believe she becomes quite alarmed whenever themes around age um become of issue but in this you could argue that actually she is addressing a theme of age and life and end of life and and what life actually is i think this is a, a beautiful way to round the album off I, I i love it and i love the way the production sort of seems to change about two-thirds of the way through so good the orchestra is on it it's like it gives you that very cinematic feel but also it gives you the acoustics and again she's just like questioning her existence what i want to do what i want in life is to live forever not defined by time and space 
I mean, those lyrics are genuine. And then she was supposed to perform that song during the Madame X tour, the current tour, but oh. uh, it got cut. So yeah. I, was, I, was, I was mad. That's like, a shame. <laughs> and like, I've always, like her closing tracks are probably like the most memorable closing tracks out of any artist. Like I can think of like so many other closing tracks she did that were just beautiful. And she's concluding a story and she... And it's all, most of them seem like to be about life goes on and stuff. And that's what this is all about. And it's kind of, when she says she goes round and round, just like a circle, it's kind of like more of a mature version of over and over from like a Virgin album ah. in a way to me. So <laughs> that's just me though. <laughs> the critical reception to this album was mixed to say the least. Okay. We went everywhere from mixed um, to quite negative, actually. We've got Vibe magazine, when they did review when it first came out, they described it as this. This may be the first time Madonna hasn't pushed herself to explore new ground, but at least she's chosen a good place to rest. That's quite a backhanded compliment, if ever I heard it. <laughs> Would we agree? Is this like Madonna is known for for pushing boundaries and for every never repeating herself? I'd agree. American Life sits in that box, but did she actually progress? Did she lead the way here? Is this one of the few times where she didn't? I think she did because, like, even today, um, what's that singer Nelly Furtado? She says, like, wow. Like she tweeted, oh, I love American Life. This sounds so sonically ahead. And she tweeted that like a, a year ago. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. it's touching people now, it's like, yeah, it's it's an album where obviously it's sonically ahead. And people are still I think talking this is about quite it. similar to Erotica in many ways because it was misunderstood when it was first released. And now people have gravitated towards it as the years have gone on. It, it, for a while, I remember even in like 2008, 2009, early 2010s, I remember people saying that this was not, this was one they could not go back on. This was more read as negative versus positive. But I think with the 2016 election specifically, people have become more um, aware of it. They've become, they've, there's more of an appreciation for it. And I think even herself, Around that time, she was performing it, performing songs from here on Tears of a Clown, which was um, the Australian um, part of the Rebel Heart tour. It was her apology for taking so long to come here. Slant Magazine wrote about American life upon its release. Here's the quote. It's frequently self-indulgent, misguided, unpleasant, difficult to listen to, silly and humorless, but it's also consistent, uncompromising, and unapologetic. I'm curious, though, because you said it, Damien, that sometimes her work is appreciated a long time after the fact. I don't know. Are people giving it unjust credit now? Are they overrating it now for the sake of it? Maybe because in light of Madame X, and maybe some people were a bit disappointed by that, so all of a sudden American life goes up in favour? I'm confused. Where does it sit amongst the fan community? um, I, I, I still still think it's like a divisive album between fans. Um, like we, we agree that Madame X did bring it back because there's this thing where it, it's like sort of political, but in the sense, it's not really political. It's more about the illusions of life. But I guess because the first track, American Life, you know, she does perform American Life on the Madame X tour. So I think that 
you know, brings it back to the forefront. To me, this is a bit work. like if, if it was to be linked to any album, and I could be completely wrong here, but from my point of view, this is most linked to Rebel Heart for me. I, f- I feel like they're the two that go together. Oh, well, it's funny because that's one so of the interesting. Rebel Heart that didn't yeah. make the cut was uh, Revolution. Did people remember that song from Rebel Heart? It didn't make mm, it on yeah. the album. Mm. Revolution. Yeah, that was one of the unreleased, right? It should right? have been on the... Uh, American Life album. It sounded like an American Life outtake. Because she's talking in both, to me, her call to her army of fans and to the wider public is you can be a rebel, you can be a revolutionary in your own way and and you can make your own mark. And I feel like that's what American Life was probably one of the messages in it was trying to say, and certainly Rebel Heart was trying to say that as well. Be a rebel, be an individual, um, you know, buck the system where possible. That's That's why I get the link. That that's actually set, that actually blew my mind that you just said that because um, it's that album. I always think of it as like that was an album that had components of her linked throughout it, and I think that's what this out American Life is all about. So I see that connection as well, where there's those little stories about who she, Madonna is and who she is in the industry and stuff, like with songs like Benavidi, Vidi, I don't even know how to pronounce that. I know the one you mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's so hard to, that's a tongue twister. It but, is. <laughs> yeah, with songs like that. <laughs> now, commercial performance, this this album didn't by any means flop. I don't think that would be fair to say. It moved, I mean, in, in comparison it to did, Ray of was, Light and music, it didn't move. It was the second best uh, selling album of the 2003 in the United States. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but you can yeah. never judge by that peak positions. You've got to judge by the end of year positions. So Madonna almost will always go to number one based on how many versions of albums she puts out. The other thing, when they say it didn't um, sell as much as music and Ray of Light, we also have to recognise that we were starting the decline of the physical unit sales at this point for all artists, not just Madonna, like the yeah. internet and downloads and different ways of getting music. I don't think streaming was certainly there yet, but all sales were on the decline. So I always think it's really unfair to say this didn't sell as many as music, and so therefore, you know, it wasn't as successful. I think the landscape had well and truly changed. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And, music, and as well... It was such a mainstream, much much more of a mainstream record, I think, uh, than American Life. One of those incredible contradictions to me is the fact that this album you know it did hold its own but it wasn't it didn't blow up the charts like some of her other work yet the reinvention tour comes along it heavily focuses on the content of this album and it's the biggest grossing uh, concert of her career at that stage well she was supposed to call it the whore of babylon tour the whore of babylon tour really (laughs) yeah it was supposed to be called that then it was supposed to be called ground zero but that was in like she was oh that's in bad taste because of uh, september 11th ground zero was considered oh madonna oh Oh, no stop it i heard about the whore of babylon i didn't hear about ground zero but yeah that was one of the names that she was supposed to have oh my goodness thank god even madonna made the wise choice to stay away from that that's when you talk about what's too far the sex book the american life video clip ground zero tour (laughs) 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 i 
I don't think the sex book was too far. I think that needed to be No, done. no, not at all. But, but what I'm saying is she rode those waves, but I really don't. Yeah, yeah, I think Ground Zero Tour would have been her Ground Zero, put it that way. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would have that would have been, that would like, the most, like, can you imagine saying that now? Like, that she yeah. had a tour called that? Like, can you imagine Can you imagine the opening, too? Like, parachuting out of the Twin Tower or something onto the stage? Oh, Jesus. Oh, terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, thanks, Madonna, for not choosing that pathway. <laughs> I prefer the Horror of Babylon, so I would have wanted that. I mean, that would have been a cool t-shirt. Tour. I actually think that was a cool name, but I did she backed off from that. <laughs> Where does that come from? Why Horror of Babylon? What's the reference there? Um, uh, I think it's the biblical. It was just like a biblical yeah, uh, thing. Biblical for, I think it was like the queen of, of, queen of Rachel or something like that. So a biblical character was called the Horror of Babylon. So. Okay, let's sum this up. What are our final thoughts on American life? And what would you say to the people listening about, um, if they're thinking about finishing this and putting it into the, I was going to say put it into the CD player, um, they don't exist anymore. But if they were thinking of listening to this album, should they, shouldn't they? Let's start with you, Mr. Mandonna. Final thoughts on I American think, life. I think they should because it's experimental Madonna. I mean, it sounds way ahead of the times, like like music, like American life. It's just it's very uh, self-referential and uh, talking about illusions in the life. And, you know, listen to something with electronic, listen to something with trip hop. If you like that, listen to it. Start with I would say the, for the light listener, listen to Hollywood. And for someone who's more daring, why don't you listen to American Life and watch the video too? And before we go to you, Damien, my final thoughts on American Life are you have to listen to it purely because there are some exceptional highs on this album. And what I find when I listen to American Life is it's like, oh, that's right, this track, I love this song. But because of the whole album didn't grab me and it's not one of those that you rush to, um, I suppose the side effect and the positive side effect of that is that there are some tracks that I don't listen to too much. So when I get them on this track, uh, I was only listening to it this morning. There were so many songs, so many that I went, I love this. I love this. I love, I forgot about this actually. So that's what I say. Put it in in case you're missing some treats. Damien, your final thoughts. I just think it's a misunderstood piece of work uh, from her catalog and, I just think if you like folk, uh, electronic uh, music, uh, acoustic and less overproduced tracks, then you'll probably like it. So I'd say give it a go. And Sarah? Um, like most people are saying here, it's a very misunderstood album. Um, I say if, you have, if you're willing to have an open mind and with this piece of work, you you just remember that it is like a wild card in a way in some ways sonically and sound wise but there's a lot of more softer type of songs on here and i i recommend it to anyone who has like very sophisticated music taste who's willing to listen to like experimental electronic and just folk music in general and it's it's a very beautiful album overall and if you even if you don't like some songs the first time just give it a try a few times come back to it force later. yourself to like it force yourself <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly you can really really love it like you want to rub my nose like, in ecstatic process don't you <laughs> eat it eat I, it eat it I'm, I, yeah be, 
<laughs> I, 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 well, it took me like 15, 16 years to like, I'm so stupid. I didn't like it until this year. Heard it in 2003, but love it in 2019. So, wow. You know, oh, there you go. <laughs> so, there you go, listeners. Go and put it on, put a record on, and make it American life. <laughs> um, Sarah, Damien, and Albie, we have reached ground zero. Thank you so much for your help. <laughs> <laughs> and you all have a great night. You too. You too. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I'm picking up a rocket, I get a double shot it It goes through my body and you know I'm satisfied I got my mini cooper and I'm feeling super duper good They tell me I'm a trooper and you know I'm satisfied I do yoga and Pilates and the room is full of hotties So I'm picking up the bodies and you know I'm satisfied I'm thinking I'm the opposite of this